to In the Word with Pastor Don Haskins, where we open up the Bible to see what God's Word says and how it might apply to our lives. Our prayer is that you allow Jesus to change you from the inside out. And now, today's lesson. title this week is going to be Legacy, and we're going to do a three-part study on the life of Joseph. So over the next three weeks, we're going to do a, a, a character study on the life of Joseph. I'm excited, Joseph. You know, as I was thinking about Joseph's one of my favorite characters, but I hate when people say that, character. You know, somebody in the Bible is a character, and they might be a character. They might be a funny person, but when you say character, sometimes it makes it feel like it's just a story, that it's something that's made up. And, and I feel like sometimes we do that to the Bible, too. When we read something in the Old Testament, it's, it's a character. You know, it, it's not somebody that's real. It's something that, you know, C.S. Lewis made up and he put into there, and that's what we're reading. Now, this is a person. So this is one of my favorite people in the Bible. I believe there's a lot to learn from Joseph's life, and that's what we're going to study over the next three weeks. But remember that they, these are not characters. These are real people that lived real lives, that had real problems and struggles and victories with their walk with, with God and with those people around them. Um, so try to remember that too and try to have a, an understanding that even in the New Testament sometimes we read things and we're like, man, those miracles, those, those kind of things don't happen today. Well, they do. They do happen because it's still the same God. He's the same as yesterday, today, and, and tomorrow. And he, the way that he worked within their lives he will work in our life as well. And that's what we're going to study over the next three weeks with, the, with Joseph. Again, he's just, again, he's one of my favorite people in the Bible. And, um, and so that's what we're going to do and study that. So Merriam-Webster defines legacy as something transmitted by or received from an ancestor or predecessor from the past. Something that happened in the past or that comes from someone in the past. A couple of weeks ago, you guys know we weren't here on a Sunday because we drove over to Lake Worth that um, Christine's grandmother had passed away a couple Fridays before that. And um, we all made the venture over to Lake Worth where she was from originally and got together with family and people flew down from North Carolina to um, her, some of her grandchildren. We drove over from here. Her sister, who is still alive, and her husband um, were in town as well for that. And Christine's dad and her two aunts as well. And so as we got together, you know, you, you, when it was a celebration of life, it wasn't a funeral per se. We, we all know where Joanne's is now. She's in heaven with the Lord and, and living a much better life than she had before. She was in her nineties and we had always joked around that when we got older, we wanted to be like her. And the reason we wanted to be like her is she, I think she played golf until she was like 85 or something like that. I mean, this lady was, was very active, constantly doing things. Um, the more that you're there and you hear stories of just the way that she lived, she lived life. She didn't stop. You know, just because it hit retirement didn't mean that she checked out and, and just watched soap operas all day and did nothing. I mean, she was just active and we're like, man, I, we want to be like her, you know, to still be walking and, and things like that. It was great. So although we got together for, for the loss of their mom and their grandmother and friend, that, that's the sad part of any time that you get together. Yes, we know that she's in heaven and things are well with her and she's in a much better body again and she's able to be active again. But your own personal loss is there as well because that's your mom or that's your, your grandmother or your sister or your friend. And as I looked around the room, I was taking it in as, and looking at all these different family members that <clears throat> we always joke around that we only, only get together at Christmas time or when somebody passes away. And, um, and it's kind of sad because a lot of these people you, you really enjoy and you love. 
And as I'm looking around the room, I, I, I looked at it and I was just amazed at just the, just the legacy that this woman had left. And I didn't know Joanne that well. I knew her, her decently. And she wasn't a big talker. She wasn't a big hugger. Um, I did get some hugs from her every once in a while, but um, I just didn't see her at, at that prime point of her life um, the way that everybody else had. But as looking at her family, I'm taking this all in, and the legacy that I, I looked at is that you know, she didn't come from money. It wasn't like she was rich and she lived on you know, the beach and she didn't live in, in West Palm Beach on the island or something like that, Millionaire's Row or whatever. Uh, she was a simple woman. But if you looked at her life, there, there was nothing that she had need of. Um, she lived very comfortably where she was at. I looked at all three of her children that were sitting there, my, my father-in-law, Dave, and um, his two sisters, and they're all well. Well, not just in health-wise, but, but they're, they're well as well, not, not needing anything, not needing anything from their mom to, to help them to take care of, like waiting for that inheritance to come in so that they can start living. They're, they're all living now, active in their kids' lives. She taught them the value of hard work and the value of saving. And although maybe she wasn't outgoing as far as her relationship with the Lord, there was an understanding of the value of church and, and her relationship with God. As I looked around, the seven grandchildren that were there as well were all, all doing well too. In fact, in the room, we had, we had teachers in there, former vice president of a, a pretty big company. We have accountants that were in there. There firefighters in there. There professor at a university there. One of the smartest people I've ever met in my life. You know? And he's talking about stuff and you have absolutely no clue and you just nod your head. Yeah, that's, that's really neat. But most importantly, most of them are all saved. And so as you look at a legacy like that and you look at a woman who um, maybe um, had a different way of maybe showing her love towards people, not the, the warm fuzzy that some of us feel like we need, the hugs and, and things like that. Maybe she showed her love in a different way. But, but, but the legacy that you looked at was a family that, that all loved each other, willing to serve and help each other, and willing to sacrifice for each other. And so my question as I looked at that and, and, and was praying about this and having a hard time to come together because I knew it was legacy that we were going to talk about, but... Um, the question then comes to us is that what do you want your legacy to be? What do you want your legacy to be that when people look back towards you or even look at you now, what is it that you're leaving for that next generation? Whether it's your family that you have or maybe it's your church family here, maybe it's your friends. What's the legacy that we want to, to leave to somebody else? Because unfortunately, when, when Joanne passed away, two things happened. One is, you're, you're sad for the situation that you are with her. But I know for myself, I realized that at some point, you know, I'm, I'm not going to live forever. And as you start doing your own, and I'm bringing it down really hard today, as you start looking at your own life, you start looking at it going, really, what is it that I'm doing here? And what is the next step? And what, am I, what are some things that I really need to, to get right in my life? Does it really matter if I work 60 hours a week and I have a boat and I have all these things? Or does it really matter if... Alabama is number two, and we all know they should be number one. I mean, does, do those things really... Well, that may be... That, let me, if you could just rewind that part, leave that. That's, that is important, but, but you know what I mean? What, what is it the values, what is it that your heart is chasing after? 
What are the things that... And, and we've got a group of people in here this morning, everything from a young man like Austin um, to others that are senior citizens and, and senior saints, as Pastor Bob used to put it, that all of us are sitting here right now looking at that and going, thinking the same thing as, what, what is it that I'm living for? What is it that I want to do that I haven't done? And is it too late to make the changes that I need to? I was looking at the scriptures. I've decided to do a three-week study in the life of Joseph and to look at the legacy that he has left us. His life growing up was completely contrary to the one that I just described with Joanne. And as we look at this, and some of us know who Joseph is, and many of us, if you've gone to children's church, have learned who Joseph is at some point in your life. And that's what we're going to look at today. And so if you could stand, please, we're going to read Genesis chapter 37. I'm going to pull out my eyes so that I don't mess this up too much. It says, Now Jacob lived in the land where his father had sojourned in the land of Canaan. And these are the records of the generations of Jacob. And Joseph, when 17 years of age, was pasturing the flock with his brothers while he was still a youth, along with the sons of Bilal and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought back a bad report about them to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his sons because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a a very very colored tunic. There you go, that word. Um, His brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers. And so they hated him and could not speak to him on friendly terms. And then Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. And he said to them, Please listen to this dream which I have had. For behold, we are binding sheaves in the field. And lo, my sheaf rose up and also stood erect. And behold, your sheaves gathered around and bowed down to my sheep. Then his brothers said to him, Are you actually going to reign over us? Are you really going to rule over us? And so they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Joseph, not learning from this, said, Hey, now he had still another dream and related it to his brothers and said, Lo, I have still another dream. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars were bowing down to me. And he related it to his father and his brothers. And his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have had? Shall I and your mother and your brothers actually come to bow ourselves before you on the ground? And his brothers were jealous of him. But his father kept the saying in his mind. Then his brothers went to the pasture of their father's flock in Shechem. Israel said to Joseph, Israel, which is also his name is Jacob, are you not are your are not your brothers pasturing the flock in Shechem? Come, and I will send you to them. And he said to him, I will go. And then he said to him, Go now and see about the welfare of your brothers and the welfare of the flock, and bring word back to me. So he sent him from the valley of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. A man found him, and behold, he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him, What are you looking for? And he said, I am looking for my brothers. Please tell me where they are pasturing the flock. And then the man said, They have moved from here, for I have heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went for after his brothers and found them in jo- in, at Dothan. And when they saw him from a distance, and before he came close to them, they plotted against him to put him to death. And they said to one another, Here comes this dreamer. Now then, come and let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits, and we will say, A wild beast devoured him. Then let us see what will become of his dreams. But Reuben heard this and rescued him out of their hands and said, Let us not take his life. 
Reuben further said, Shed no blood. Throw him into this pit that is in the wilderness, but do not lay hands on him, and him thinking that he might, might rescue him out of their hands to restore him to his father. So it came about when Joseph reached his brother that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the very colored tunic that was on him, and they took him and threw him into the pit. Now the pit was empty without any water in it. And then they sat down to eat a meal, and as they raised their eyes, looked, behold, a caravan of Ishmaelites was coming from Gilead, and their camels bearing aromic, uh, aromatic gum and balm and myrrh, and on their way to bring down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, What profit is of us to kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers listened to him. And then some Midianite traders passed by, so they pulled up, pulled him up and lifted Joseph out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. Thus they brought Joseph into Egypt. Now Reuben returned to the pit, and behold, Joseph was not in the pit. And so he tore his garment, and he returned to his brothers and said, This boy is not there. As for me, where am I to go? And so they took Joseph's tunic and slaughtered a male goat and dipped it in the tunic and the blood. And they sent the varicolored tunic, tunic and brought it to their father and said, We found this. Please examine it to see whether it is your son's tunic or not. Then he examined it, and it's my son's tunic. A wild beast has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. So Jacob tore his clothes and put sackcloth on his loins and mourned for, the, for his son many days. Then all his sons and all his daughters arose to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. And then he said, Surely I will go down to Sheol in mourning for my son. So his father wept for him. Meanwhile, the Mennonites sold him, talking about Joseph in Egypt, to Potiphar, Pharaoh's officer, the captain of the bodyguard. Please be seated. So as we see here, and, and again, you guys have kind of seen this before, we see a very interesting family dynamic. If you go back to verse 1 through 4, we see that now Jacob lived in the land where his father had sojourned in the land of Canaan, and there are records of the generations of Jacob. Jacob... Joseph, I'm sorry, when 17 years of age was pasturing the flock with his brothers and while he was still a youth along with the sons of Bilal, the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives and Joseph brought back a bad report about, about them to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all the sons because he was his son of his, of his old age and he made him a, a, a very colored tunic. His brother saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers and so they hated him and could not speak to him on friendly terms. Now we see an interesting family dynamic here. And, and Jacob, as, as you also saw in here too, they called Jacob Israel. He has two different names within this, this area of scripture. And so we do not have time to get into Jacob extensively. Okay? Jacob is an, is an unbelievable character study too. And maybe sometime I'll do that one as well. But he is, he is quite the character. Okay? We going to, you want to talk about characters? He is an interesting, he's an interesting cat. So if you look at his entire life, he's an interesting dude that to, to the point where you've got Jacob here who has basically two wives and these two wives are sisters. Okay? To kind of give you a little bit of background. Two wives are sisters. One, one is Leah. Okay, not princess, but Leah. And we've got Rachel, um, whom we, he loved. Okay, and you'll see that consistently. You'll see that Rachel is the one that he loved. Okay, but he has two wives. So how do you think Leah feels? Does she feel like, you know, very comfortable and, and secure within her relationship, knowing that he really doesn't love me? He was actually kind of tricked into marrying me. Okay, but he really loves this one over here. He really loves Rachel. 
Okay, and if you want an interesting study again, you can go back and see how he he was tricked into that. Um, but he was he was tricked into it by his father-in-law Laban. Okay, so again, if if you think about this, you know, I don't know how you feel about your father-in-law, but um, Laban is worse. Okay, I don't know if you like your father-in-law or not, but trust me in this, Laban is worse as far as father-in-laws go. And so he is really a bad guy. And so the household that we have here, as we've seen just in the first couple of verses here in the scripture, is, is full of jealousy, it's full of deceit, it's full of hurt, it's full of envy. And you've got all these dynamics of people. You know, we take just this church in here, and there are so many dynamics of people that everybody would see something different. I can say one word, somebody would be offended, other people would be cheering. I could say something else and some people would be, oh, that is the sweetest thing I've ever heard. And other people would be like, I can't believe he just said that. Why? Because you've got all these different dynamics of people within just this room and we all love each other. I'm not so sure that this household really loves each other. As you've seen here, these brothers can't even speak friendly to their brother. It's not even just a, they can't have a friendly conversation with Joseph. Why? Because there's that much hatred and envy and jealousy. And where does the jealousy come from? It comes from the fact that they, they outwardly know that their father loves him more than them. It doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter anything that I say in my life. Joseph is always going to be the chosen one. Okay? It doesn't matter what he does. He, didn't, he wasn't the one that left the food there on the table. It was somebody else that has to clean it up. Joseph is always the perfect child, no matter what had happened. And so you've got this relationship here that, that if you look at this and, and you, you see Joseph ra- being raised up and he's 17 years of old of age, and now you look at it from Joseph's side as well as now he's growing up. He didn't choose this. He didn't choose to be the one that his dad shows so much favoritism to, but he's the one that has. I was relating to Bert and Nancy <clears throat> a while ago. Um, my father-in-law was was high up at, in King Automotive Group. It's a dealership on the the East Coast, and so um, I was I started working at King, okay, at car sales and stuff like that. Well, it's it's interesting when you when you do that, okay, and it'd be kind of like being the owner's son going to work at a car dealership, okay? I, I mean, everybody has their different opinion on you, okay? So I walked in there, and you've got some people that want to use me. Okay, to better their circumstances. Okay, if I get Kevin up and I prop him up, man, that's going to be good for me. I can take his coattails and, you know, I'm I'm going to big places. And then there's other people who never met me before. They just hated me. Like, oh, you're Dave Nelson's son-in-law. Like, no, I'm Kevin. You know, I mean, you you guys know me. I'm like, I'm just Kevin. I'm just here to work. It didn't matter what I did. They had nothing to do with me. They weren't going to help me. Everybody's worried that I'm going to be the one that when that person wants to come in and buy a car, it's going to be like, uh, Kevin, come to the desk. I've got a free deal for you to do. That didn't happen. I got no free deals. Trust me, I, I was trudging, and I just had to work through all this different stuff. I didn't even have a coat of many colors on me. You know, I mean, I had nothing, okay? I was walking in there, and I had to overcome what was there. Was it something that I had chosen to do? Not at all. I didn't know what I was walking into, but it was just a mere fact of who I was in that situation. Everybody had a different opinion on me. Everybody already wanted to use me, or they were always looking at me saying, no, you're not going to get it. You're going to have to work twice as hard. That was just the situation that I was in. So if you look at Joseph as he's walking into life and he's trudged through 17 years, yes, he's been able to sit there on the, on, and, and work with his dad and be able to take in all this stuff, but you've got everybody else in the family 
that is just that is just down on Joseph. They hate him. They don't want him. There's there's just misery within this household. And so you look at this and you look at Jacob and you're like, well, Jacob, how did you end up as this person? What you don't understand is this is Jacob's life. And, and you can look at a lot of times, you can look at somebody's family and you wonder, well, how did those kids end up like that? And you can turn and you can look at the parents and you can look as far as, well, that's why they do what they do. Good and bad. Now, I'm not saying it's always 100%, but you can kind of look at it. And I'm telling you right now, if you look at Jacob's life, you guys go back this week and just read about Jacob's life, you will completely understand the dysfunction that's within this family here. Because, see, it's hard enough to raise kids. And as as anybody who's got kids in the hair right now, as as you look back at your youth and you look back when you were younger, um, you really understand how much work your parents did for you. I mean, it's, it's not Is it easy, Jeremy? Uh, it's, it's hard, isn't it? That's one of the hardest things you've ever done. It's like there's constantly something to be done. You know, we've told our kids, man, we, we woke up at 6 in the morning, we went to bed at 10 o'clock at night, and everything we did in between there was for you. You know, I mean, it didn't matter whether it was making you breakfast, whether it was, you know, um, doing your clothes, whether whatever it was that you happened within your life, it, it, it was we were consumed by having to do whatever we had to do for you. The benefit is when they get older, at least they're able to do some of that stuff, you know, and, and to be able to, I was going to make a joke and I won't because my, my family doesn't like when I joke about my, my kids. So I'm, they're awesome. They're great kids. So, um, and you would know that if you look at Christine, you'll know why the kids are awesome. So, but, so you look at Jacob and, and, and parenting is hard, but I, but I think it's harder if you're Jacob. You know, what I mean? it's just you. You look at his his life has been his entire life has been spent conniving, and stealing, and being shrewd. To not just not just in a business mind. You know, some people in Christian world who come to church and they act a certain way, and then when they get to the business side, well, it's business. I'm supposed to be shrewd, and I'm supposed to be watching these different things, and I'm supposed to be able to cut and and cheat and steal and do what I have to do. Well, well, that's 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 him. Okay. But he just did it to everybody. It didn't matter. It didn't matter if you were a family, friend, foe. You know, he is always looking for the little way that he could get just a little bit more. You know, how much is enough? Just a little bit more. And Jacob didn't care who it was. You know, I heard it was joked around that, you know, if you shook hands with him, you better make sure you got all your fingers done when you, when you get done shaking hands with a man. Because that's just the way that he was. And well, then he you treat his family. He treats his family the same way. So he loses relationships. He loses relationships with his dad. He lost a relationship with his dad at one point because he tricked him into stealing his brother. His brother was the older one, his, his birthright. So then he, he then loses his relationship with his brother because he stole his birthright. You know, he tricked his dad into thinking that he was him. And then as he goes to give him the blessing, you know, his brother's out. He didn't get it. You can only give it once. That was it. So now he doesn't have a relationship with his dad, doesn't have a relationship with his brother. They're fractured. His father-in-law, his father-in-law Laban, to one point, that Laban just gets so frightened. And Laban was, was, was him, just older. It's just at the point where Laban looks at him at one point and says, the, the Lord be between you and me. That, that's it, man. I'm telling you, I don't want to see you again. And, and if I do, God be between us because otherwise there's going to be something's going to happen here. That we're going to throw down because I, I just I cannot stand you because you are so much better at, at the conniving and everything else than me that you frustrated even me. So he has no relationships in his life. And so now he walks into marriage and he's got one wife that he 
that he's stuck with because he got tricked into it by Laban, you know, the guy that doesn't like him anymore. And then he has one that he really does love, but, but she can't have children. And so now she's trying to do anything that she can. It just seems like everybody is doing whatever they can to appease this man, Jacob, in, his, in their lives. How can, I, how can I just get some love from this man? How can I just get some trust from this man? How can, how can I? And the only one who gets it is Joseph, and he's, he's reaping the rewards of that because nobody in the family loves him. Nobody in the family likes him. He's the chosen one. Oh, you know, look at there There he is. There's the dreamer coming up again. What's he going to tell us this time? And so poor Joseph comes into this, and again, something that he didn't, he didn't want. So you look at this and you say, Kevin, I, I thought we were going to talk about Joseph's legacy, and yet we're, we're kind of just talking about Jacob's. But the important part is that this is where Joseph started from. There's so many times, like I had said before, you can kind of look at the kids and you, you look at the parents and you kind of figure this out. Well, as you can sit here, we're, we're going to learn a little bit about Joseph, that, that he's going to take a different steering course from the rest of his family and the rest of his, the, of what could have possibly been just another failed life. You do again another character study on the other brothers, man. The brothers are just, just, just bad guys, making poor decisions. Begin because they've been raised up within this family, and they are just following along the lines of what their dad had done. But yet Joseph is somebody that's different. And so why do I mention that this morning to you? Because maybe some of you in this morning are, man, I, 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 Kevin, I came out of a bad house. You don't, you don't understand. Oh, that, that's fine. I don't think you came out of this house, though. And maybe you did. I'm not putting light to it. But what I'm saying is that there's an opportunity wherever yet you are within this room to be able to make a change or to be able to make something different, something higher as far as what your opportunities are. And then that's where we are today. So your legacy doesn't have to be just what is today, what it says. Man, my legacy could change two minutes from now. My legacy could change tomorrow because of the changes that I want to make and the things that I see that God wants to do in my life. Your legacy could change now. We move on and we're not, we won't read it. We'll summarize it to save time. Then we move into 5 and 11 and, and you guys know he, he has two different dreams that he says. One that his sheaf is going to raise up and that the other 11 are going to bow to him. And they're like, what? You know, if you, if you know anything about Jewish custom, I'm sure you guys do because you guys are awesome students of the word. You understand that who's, who's the one that gets everything within the family as far as the, the kids, the boys? Firstborn. The firstborn, right, Jonathan? He always says, hey, when, if something happens to me, you know, he gets the majority of it and the other two are just splitting over what's left, you know? And, and actually... Ashton would get nothing. It would just be Josh would get whatever's left over from there. So, but, but we don't work under those terms anymore, so we don't have to worry about that because we're new creations in Christ. And God, we have a new, a new thing that we're, system that we're working under. So you've got to make your own mark, buddy. And so, so Joseph has two different dreams. But the first one is there's a sheaf that raises up and, and his brothers are looking at him going, wait, wait, wait. So, so not only am I getting this from dad, but you're going to come and tell you you talking to me? You know, you you going to tell me that this is what's going to happen? I I can tell you right now, I am not bowing to you. You know, you're a dreamer, and if I have to put this up with dad, you wait till dad's gone. Okay, there's just a moment of time when dad's gone, and but I can tell you right now, I am not bowing to you. It's just not going to happen. Okay, so they hated him even more. 
So Joseph being, you know, and, and, and some people will say Joseph's probably a little rowdy. Maybe he enjoys, the, you know, this. Maybe he adds a little extra fuel to the fire. Okay, I'm going to stick on the side of just integrity and, and, and just look at Joseph's life because if you look at the rest of Joseph's life and maybe this got burnt out of him because of the trip down to Egypt and all, but, but I also look at Joseph as just a man who answers and honors God. And, and so, so God gives him a vision and then God gives him another vision. To the point where it's even now he looks at it and he tells his dad and he says, you know, the sun and the moon, well, that's the sun is his dad and the moon is his mom and then the other stars, everybody's going to bow to me. You just wait one day, it's going to happen. And now, now his dad's like, you know, kind of siding with the brothers like, hey, are, are, what? You know, so you're, <laughs> somebody gonna, I don't care if they're going to bow to you, but really you think I'm going to do that? that? That's not going to happen. But then the back of his mind it says, but he remembers this. He remembers this. And that's, that's, a, that's something for us to remember in the next couple of weeks as we continue to study Joseph, that could this possibly happen? So here's Joseph. He's got a couple of dreams that he shares with his brothers, which adds even just more fuel to the fire. And he, so he tells them that these things are going to happen. And so a couple of things here we got. Probably you don't want to tell people who don't like you that they're going to bow to you one day. Okay, so that's probably one just basic application that we can kind of take out of this is that if you're at a point at work or something like that, you know, like, hey, man, I'm going to tell you what, this guy that you don't get along with and he's your boss and you're like, I had a dream last night that, you know, you're going to bow to me one day and you're, you know, I'm going to actually write your check. And he's like, no, don't do that because you might not have a job the next day. So, so we want to, we want to make sure that you do that on that side. So, but the other thing here is that you've got a young man that's listening to God. Got a young man that's listening to God. So here's Joseph through all the chaos that's going on in his family. You've got a, a guy that um, even in the first couple verses that you see that he's willing to, and some again will say that he was just tattletelling on his, his brothers in the first five verses that he gave a, a poor report to his dad. But I think the poor report here, if you look at it, is if you look at the totality of, of what this family is doing, I'm sure these boys are just, are those boys that we all know. You know, they're out, they're probably out riding around in their, their four by four trucks and they're just, you know, mudding and they're just doing stuff that they're, they should be tending to the sheep and they're not doing that. They're not, they're not doing about what their dad had asked them to do. And so Joseph just goes and says, hey man, that, that's wrong. You shouldn't be doing that. You should be honoring dad. Dad asked you guys to go do this. And so he goes back and he tells his dad this. And so he's, he's a man that also has got some integrity here as far as what he's doing. I don't look at so much as the fact that he's, he's, he's being a 17-year-old and he's just trying to get his brothers in, in trouble because I think sometimes when you look at that, you're looking at this as you know an 8-year-old, a 10-year-old, an 11-year-old, a 12-year-old that he's ratting on his, his big brothers and, and you know, all that stuff. You're looking at 17 years old is what Joseph is. How old do you think his brothers are? If I'm 35 and my brother is tattletelling on me, I, I don't really care. I'm not worried about my sister up in Kokomo calling mom and dad up and saying, hey, you know what Kevin's doing? You know, <laughs> you, you got to watch that kid. He's, he's, I, I don't care. They, she can call him and tell him anything she wants to. Why? Because I'm grown. I'm a man. No, I'm, I'm, <laughs> it doesn't affect me in the same way. Now, again, customs are a little bit different. They're living within their own ho- his household. And, and, and the, the oldest is the one that's in charge of them. I get that there's a different culture change here. But, but it's, it's not an 8-year-old telling on a 12-year-old. It's a 17-year-old telling on grown men that they're not doing. They're carousing and they're doing things. So I think at that point, it's a little bit different once you put it in the perspective uh, as far as what's happening here. 
So, so he's, he's a man that, that, that's listening to God, and so God then speaks to him, and he gives him two different visions. And, and interesting that, that Joseph understands that these are visions from God. He understands that, that it's not just I had some, I had some weird meat that night, and I've, I've got a weird dream that I'm having, and I'm sharing it to you guys just to kind of stir it up. He understands that there's a purpose that God's got behind this. So again, if you look at the character again, as we're building at the character of Joseph, he's something that stands out differently than what the rest of the family has. He's got a heart that's tender to the Lord and that he's willing to listen to it. Why? Because God looks at him and says, look, this is a young man who's got integrity. And I've already said that I'm using this household. This is, this is the seed that I'm going through and I'm all in. And man, I've got to follow this along. I've got to stay within this household. And Joseph is a man that I can use. I love listening to young men and women, you know, getting around, you know, even the Raiders yesterday and all. It was awesome because you, you get around young people and I love just to listen to the dreams that they have and what they want to do with the Lord or what's going on. Because I think sometimes we get older, you know, and we're a little more seasoned and, oh, God doesn't do that. You know, we got to work it this way instead, you know, God can't do that. Oh, that's nice to dream that, you know, or to think that way. But why not? Why not listen to a young man or a young woman? And if they've got a dream, how do I get behind you to support you to do that? And if God doesn't want that to happen, God's going to move you to something different. But, but be able to be behind somebody and push them up. And you know what? If God doesn't want it to happen, he'll be the one that changes it. But man, if you've got a vision, I want to support it and help you to do it. And that's what I want to do. And I want to get behind you and do it. So you've got Joseph that's here and he's got, he's got a couple of dreams that he tells his family. And so... So some of them are, are a little bit upset with him at this time, and we all kind of understand why. And so then as they, 18 through 24, they plot against Joseph. So his dad sends him out and says, hey, go, you know, we're having a problem with your brothers. Can you just go check again to make sure they're doing what they're supposed to be doing out there? And so he heads out there, and he's, he's out there going. And he's looking for him. He finally finds him. And so as they see him coming up, because he's got this bright tunic of color that's coming towards him, they can't miss him, Right. And so he's, he's coming up, they see their brother, and, and they're just, they've just had it. They're done. It's over. You know what? And that seed, you know, I think the same seed that, that Cain was given to be able to kill his brother, it, and, and Satan says, you know what? This is my opportunity. Now, I'm going to do something right now that's going to just destroy this family. And he sees it, and he puts that in them, and they're, and they're ready. They're just like, you know what? That's it, man. I, I'm done with this dude. You know, we're we're going to kill him today. This is it. A funny joke, my sister one time, she actually chased me with a knife, you know. Um, I, <laughs> I, I say that, you can ask her too, she'll be here in a couple of weeks, but yeah, I, I was, I, so I feel for this guy right here, you know. Yeah, I, was, I probably deserved it, I'm probably, I'm, I'm sure I just annoyed my sister to death, and, and so um, she couldn't catch me, she still couldn't today, but, but she, but I call mom, and mom caught her, so that when she got home that night, so, but, so with a family that's sitting here, they're, they're just jealous and they're angered. And they've got this seed that is insist inside of them. So much and so much rage has built up because you've got a dad in Jacob who's not doing what he's supposed to be doing. He's trying to be the silent dad that's just kind of letting the family figure it all out instead of being a man of God and sitting down with his family, one, and repenting for his own sin. And so now you've got the point where everything is raised up and these young men, these men, not young, see this boy walking up to them and saying, you know what? I don't even consider him family anyways. He's not my brother. You know, and that's it. We're, we're going to kill him today. It's over. We're, this is the day and we're going to get rid of him and, and it's going to be gone. 
So as he comes forward, they, they get ready, they devise some kind of plan, and, and they, they say, hey, we're going to do this now. And so then as they move on and to summarize in 25 and 36, they look at him and, and they see this, this, this caravan coming up that's, that's doing trade and they're going to be heading down south to Egypt. And they, you know, because, hey, killing isn't enough, let's, let's sell our brother into to slavery instead. That'd be much better, wouldn't it? You know, because we don't want any blood on our hands, you know, for actually killing them or doing something bad. But, hey, you know, what's wrong with making a couple bucks off this thing too? I mean, if we've already submitted into our minds that we're going to kill somebody, we, we might as well just make a couple dollars off of it as well. And then you know what? We don't have to actually kill them. We can just sell them into slavery. Has that happened in your family? And so you've got Joseph that's sitting here in, in a roller coaster ride that he's lived on here. Okay, he's, had, he's got a relationship with the Lord. He's got a vision from God that says, hey... These, these, your family is going to bow down to you. You're going to be at some point, I'm going to use you to a point where you are going to be in charge in some way, shape, or form in your life. To the point now where it's weeks, months, I don't know. To the point where he thinks he's going to get killed by his brothers. And I'm sure they didn't just take him and casually, nice and softly place him in there. I mean, if you guys envision this, sometimes when we read this in the black and white, again, it, we read it like a story and we read it to where it's not like actually happened. Again, the character issue as far as what we're looking at. This, this is real. And, and they grabbed him and they probably ripped him and there's sweat and, there's, and he's fighting back, I'm sure, at some point too. And there's, just, there's a struggle that's going on. I mean, don't just read this and read it casually through and, and make it so, you know, so clean that you don't understand what's happening. There, there's, there's a fight that's going on here. A young man who's fighting for his life and, and, and brothers that just can't stand him, and I'm sure they're saying words, and I'm sure their punches are going. I mean, it's just it's a nasty situation. It wasn't that they just placed him within this pit. There's a fight, and somebody's trying to stay alive. And then somebody gets a better idea as they go and eat afterwards. They go and do this and so casually and so just removed from the entire situation, go and sit down and they're going to go have a meal. His streams are probably in the cave somewhere wherever they left him. So now they're, they're so removed from the situation that they say, you know what, that's not enough. We can make some money off of it now too. To where now they grab him out of there, still probably fighting, and maybe he's hoping at this point that, man, they've, they've come to their senses. They're, they're not actually going to kill me. To them going, hey, yeah, what, what do you give them for us? I will give you 20 shekels. Yep, sounds like a deal to me. You know, two each or something like that. Wow. And so now here's Joseph tied up or he's put inside of a, a cage or something like that. He's, he's seeing his family, the only family that he knows. He may not like them, but that's it. He's got blood coming down and he's, his, his clothes are shredded. He doesn't have his tunic anymore. Why? Because they're going to keep it because that's the plot of the cover-up. And here's Joseph. He goes from thinking he's going to die to, my God, where, where, where am I going? What's going to happen to me? I'm going to be, I'm sold into slavery. What, what, what's going to happen? God, this isn't what I, I didn't think that this was what's going to happen. How, what, what, what are you doing in my life? 
I'm a good person and I, and I listen to you and you've given me dreams and you've given me visions and thoughts of things that I was going to do and, and here I am, I'm being sold and, and sent off to slavery. And Christian, maybe some of you in this morning feel the same way. Maybe you feel like, God, you, you had a promise. I thought you were going to do this in my life. And I'm the first one to admit here, I mean, there's, there's just decisions that you make through life. You know, that, you know, it's kind of like the flow chart. You know, there's A and B. If you do this, well, you're going to go this way. And if you do this, you're going to go this way. And if, well, if I'd have gone all the way back here, well, this would have happened instead. And that would have been much better. But the problem is, it's not a computer. I can't go back up to that little thing up there. I'm at where I'm at. Why? Because it's life. I can't go backwards in my timeline. And so that's, that's the issue that we look at Joseph here is, how, how am I here? Maybe you guys feel like you've been sold into slavery and you're, you're heading someplace that you don't even know or want to go. But God, I, I'm here and, and, and I'm going and I, and I love you and, and, I, and I honor you and I'm trying to do the best that I can. But can I say something to you too? And, and this is just a little insight to next week's study, but in Genesis 39.2, you don't have to turn there because we'll highlight it next week. It says the Lord was with Joseph. And next week, if you don't underline that, man, you don't have a heart. Because the same thing goes for us today. Is that the Lord is with you. He's not just with Joseph. He's not just with me. I hope he's with me. But he's with you. And, and if you're being sold right now and you feel like that way, you're heading to, to slavery down in Egypt, or, or man, uh, these things are just not working out for me, Kevin. You don't understand. I do. But I'm not the one that, I can, that you can cry out to and that I can be there. I'm not the Holy Spirit. I can't be everywhere. Because I'm dealing with my own stuff too that I'm crying out to God for. But I can say this is if, if you do honor God, God will be there for you. And say, is the Lord with you? So is he? Is he with you? Do you guys understand and have an understanding of who Jesus is in your life? That he's your savior. And that you can come to him at any point and, and just ask for forgiveness. Hopefully, again, as Don has mentioned several times the last couple of weeks, that you know, if you don't have a relationship with him, please come forward today afterwards and talk to me. I'd love to have that conversation. But there's a point where you don't have to carry those sins along for the entire life and, and, and hope that I'm good enough to get in. You're not. It's only through Christ's blood that, that, that washes us clean. But then the important part too is after that happens is that, that I'm still going to, I still have a walk to live and that there's still areas in my life that I've still got to perfect and I'm still going to sin today and I'm still going to sin tomorrow. But the point is that I can then come to God and then ask to be forgiven. And that I can come to him in prayer and that I can come and, and read his word and allow his word then to be able to speak to me. And when I go through these times and struggles and then I come across a, a verse in the, in, the, in the word and it says, the Lord was with Joseph. And I know that I can personalize that for myself. Why? Because that's when the, the word is alive and he's talking to you. And the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, I have to go. Why? Why did Jesus have to go? He said somebody, that, a helper to help us. 
the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that's inside of you right now to be able to help you to walk through those struggles within your life. So that, yeah, when your family or your friends try to do this to you or you're being sold or you're being sent down, that, man, I, there's somebody that I can cry out to and say, God, I'm, I'm stuck in this cage. I'm asking you right now to come along and help me. Proverbs 20, verse 7 says, A righteous man who walks in his integrity, how blessed are his sons after him. That was my verse yesterday. I sent out two, two guys that are my accountability brothers. and it's A righteous man who walks in his integrity, how blessed are his sons after him. I see, I, I, I have to be selfish. I, I, I struggle with God because I, I want to love him with all my heart and strength and soul. Um, but I, I, I love my family. And, and so he knows that we're, we battle back and forth as far as what I'm really supposed to be doing. But um, I'll be honest, there's a lot of times my family's like here. And God's here, you know. And I, I know it's a sin, so don't judge me. Um, I judge myself. Um, but that's, that's just being truthful. I love my kids and my wife, and there's nothing that I would never not do for them ever. Um, but, but I know that man. When I walk with integrity, I, I want to do it for God because I don't want to give God a black eye. I don't want to be that pastor that's on SNN tonight. They're like, "Hey, did you see this guy, Kevin Sullivan?" And then the world go, "See, there's another pastor who just can't do it right." I, I don't want to be that guy. I want to honor God and I want to honor His Word and I want to walk with integrity. But the promise in this too is that if a righteous man walks with integrity, his sons after him will be blessed. And and that's what I want to do. I I want to walk. One, I want to represent the Lord. And man, I want my sons to be blessed by the integrity that they see within their dad to be able to leave that part of my legacy to them. Where are you guys at? Can you walk with... Kevin, I don't walk with integrity. I'm just sorry to tell you. You can start tonight. You can start today. You can start tomorrow to the point where those family members and those people around you will see that integrity and be immediately like, you know what, there's something different about dad or mom right now. Or my friend, man, she is just on fire right now. She is just... You know, there's... Christine will convict the life out of me if we go to to the movies and um, we have to pick up our trash when we leave the movie theater, Okay. I look at it as job security. Okay, I'm trying to help the economy out. But my wife looks at it as, it's not the right thing to do, Kevin. You need to pick up the trash. So I pick up the trash now, okay? But a man who walks with integrity, okay, I want to bless my kids with that. I didn't tell you guys the other part of of Christine's grandmother's story, just in case you were wondering. Um, she, She had a harder life than what I alluded to at the beginning. Her, her husband died at the age of 45. Dave, my father-in-law, his dad died. I think Dave was maybe 20 or something like that. Um, his older sister was 21 or whatever. And they had a, another sister about 15 or so. But she didn't give up. So, so she looked at it at a point in life where you can look at it and go, well, I'm 40-ish, 42, something like that, and, and my husband just died. And, and I can just give up, you know, check out on society, check out on my kids. But, but that wasn't who she was. She was somebody who was going to press on. And she was somebody who was going to continue to trust in God. And, and a few years later, she remarried. And another great man, from what I understand as well, she continued to love and she continued to live. She continued to struggle. 
She continued to raise her kids and be active in their lives. Why? Because that's what people do in life. Again, if you looked at the flow chart, she wouldn't have chosen, hey, my husband's going to die. She would have chosen, husband's going to live a long time. We're both going to be 90-something years old when we die in each other's arms and go to heaven. You know, that's what she would have chosen. But life didn't choose that for her. One of Christine's um, cousins, Brian, was telling me a story, and I asked him to email it to me. And about a memory he had, he was telling me when he was growing up, he said, and this is Brian's words, it says, as I think back at the impact a grandma had on my life, one thing that sticks out is, is the Christian legacy. I can remember as a child sitting at church on Sunday mornings with my great-grandparents, my grandparents, my mom, and my brother. And that was four generations of one family sitting together in one pew. At the time, I didn't think too much about it. Perhaps that there were more people to notice if I fell asleep in church. However, now I look back at it as a tremendous gift from God. The seeds planted in my childhood laid a foundation for my faith, which lasts to this day. I'm grateful for this. Also, as a parent, I hope that God can use my wife and me to continue to contribute to this legacy for our kids and for their kids. So again, I go back to it and ask you guys today, what is your legacy? As you go through this week that we have coming up before we go into part two of Joseph's life, what what is the legacy that you have now? Are are you going to be defined by that legacy as well? Are you going to allow the, the external elements of the, this world that we live in to be the one that decides on what part of the flow chart that I'm going to take today? Or are you going to allow yourself to sit there and be like Joseph and know that, you know what, I, I've had a vision. I'm still going to walk with this integrity, even though I'm going to be fighting against the stream of this world. And this world is, the stream of this world is only going to continue to get harder. And, and there's more of a struggle. As you continue to have this stream that's fighting against us in our life, we're going to have to continue to trudge and we're going to have to continue to move forward. What, what is the legacy that you are willing and wanting to allow those that come behind you and say? So are, are we going to trust in the Lord? We, we know that we're all a new creation in Christ, correct? So we can't say, well, Kevin, that's just the how I've always been. That's who, that's who I am. Well, no, that's not. The, the, the fact is the word says that I am a new creation in Christ. So you guys wouldn't you guys wouldn't recognize the old Kevin. There's guys that I was texting last night when I was watching the football game that know the old Kevin. Okay, only one of them knows the new Kevin. The other two would be like, "Oh, that Kevin guy, man, he's what? You know, he's doing what tomorrow morning?" I mean, they would just be shocked that you guys would allow me to be up here telling you the word of God and that I would have any idea what the word of God said, too. But are you going to allow that to be the legacy that you leave? Or are you going to allow that flow chart to turn? and say, no, I'm going to follow God's path. Well, there's another struggle. Which one is the integrity part of the the path? I'm going to follow the integrity part of the path, and I'm going to continue to honor God. Philippians 3, 13 to 14 says, Forgetting what lies behind, reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. Can you guys do that this week? Can you guys please forget what is left behind and continue to reach towards what is the ultimate prize we're working for. And I want to reach, I want to reach for Christ. And I want to reach for God. And that's, that's the legacy that I want to leave. If Joseph was here today, he'd be like, hey, I, it's Christ. That's where I'm going to. I'm going to head towards that. And I don't know how he's going to work it out. And I don't know how I look at you guys this morning. I don't know how God's going to work it out in your lives today. 
But I know that God does. I know that God wants to. I know that God has a plan for your life. And that God has a vision and an understanding of what it is that he wants to do within you and within this church. Amen? Father God, we thank you so much for this morning, Lord. And just, God, I, I love you. I just, I thank you so much for um, looking at what I was at one point and seeing what I am today is just a light years of difference. God, I know that it is nothing that has anything to do with me, any decision that I have personally made, any fleshly decision, anything that I have done. I know that it only comes through you. Lord, I thank you for forgiving me my sins, not judging me, not um, correcting me and, and holding back from me that you're not a, a, a God and a dad like that. But Lord, as I come to you and I ask for forgiveness, and I pray for this church right now too. Church, if this is something right now that's going on in your life, right now, just where you're at, you don't have to raise your hands, you don't have to come forward, just right now, where you're at, if there's some sin that's going on, there's some struggle that you're having, just take right now as the opportunity to ask for forgiveness of that sin. I mean, there's a doubt of just, of just doubt. I don't know if the Lord can actually do it. Maybe there's something that you, you're physically doing in your life. Maybe there's pride. Maybe there's envy. Maybe you're jealous. Just right now, take the opportunity to come before your Savior, before your God, and just ask for forgiveness of those things. Lord, I thank you so much that you are holy and that you are perfect. And God, that we can trust you. Lord, I pray for these saints that you would just be with them this week coming up and I pray that you would just continue to work in all of our lives, God, that you would continue to challenge us and to help us to grow and prune us when we need to be pruned and uh, give us the love when we need to be picked up and loved, Lord, as well. Father, we ask all of this in your holy and precious name. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening. So, did Jesus cause a change in you today? Or do you need prayer? We'd love to hear from you. Please contact us by visiting our website at calvarychapelcf.com or call our office at 941-926-3717. That's 941-926-3717. Again, thanks for listening to In the Word with Pastor Don.